Hey everyone, it's Blake. Welcome in to today's episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, it's all about AEW Full Gear as Andy Perez, the host of Dissecting Dynamite, joins us to talk about everything with this AEW Full Gear card. On Saturday, we make uh, our predictions for every single match. We preview all the big storylines with these matches and some of the potential surprises uh, we could see from AEW Full Gear. It is a stacked card. You hear us say that many times. Another thing you hear us say in this episode is I don't know because there is a lot of unpredictability when it comes to some of the ways that these storylines could play out, how some of these matches could unfold, and I think that only adds uh, to the excitement for this show this weekend. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Dissecting Dynamite host Andy Perez. All right, as promised, uh, our guest today is Andy Perez, and uh, if you're hearing us, uh, if you watch the uh, 411 Mania's uh, YouTube channel, Dissecting Dynamite, which of course Andy is the host of, um, hey, we actually just recorded uh, our thoughts on AEW Dynamite uh, for Wednesday's show leading into AEW Full Gear on Saturday, and now back in audio form, uh, Andy, you're back here, and uh, we're getting ready to discuss uh, Full Gear in more depth rather than just uh, looking at it uh, for from an AEW Dynamite standpoint. Yeah, we are right back on it. And uh, I'm excited to be because Full Gear is shaping up to be an amazing show. It is. Uh, you know, I was on the the press media conference or whatever for Cody um, on Thursday, mm-hmm. which we're recording this. And he said, you know, he thought it was certainly one of the best cards they've had, if not the best card they've had. And, and you and I kind of talked about that a bit on Dissecting Dynamite. We thought it was just top to bottom. I mean, it's, it's really good. And uh, there's a lot to like here. And so let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to do our preview. We're going to make our predictions. Uh, that way we can look back and uh, either uh, gloat about our predictions or uh, sob over the fact that uh, we had no idea what to expect from some of these and I think some of these are going to be harder to predict than we think right so <laughs> yeah most of the time it's me looking back and seeing how seeing how dead wrong I am uh, I, I I've never bragged to be a booker in the past and I uh and I don't plan on starting now, so we'll see. Well, the betting odds are out, just for everyone out there. Uh, they did release the betting odds, which I have never been one that's bet on wrestling pay-per-views, but I know a lot of people who have. Um, but uh, I this was this is a hard one to bet on, as you'll see as we go along. Uh, I think some of these matches are really hard to call. Actually, I would say the majority of these matches are really hard to call. But uh, we'll start that's with the, the, the buy-in, Andy, because we talked about this on Dissecting Dynamite, and we're going to put the link to that in the show notes. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, go watch uh, our, our thoughts on the show on dynamite uh, on wednesday but of course before dynamite this show this match was added uh to the aw full gear card and that is serena deep uh defending the nwa women's world championship against allison k uh that's going to be on the buy-in uh, andy this is one we said you know kind of came out of nowhere because it seemed like uh they moved the match we're going to talk about in a minute with john silver and orange cassidy to uh, the actual main card and so they replaced uh, the buy-in with this match and uh, you and i talked about it quite a bit about the state of this AEW women's division and it seems like you know it's sort of like matching it in terms of the nwa women's division and what they're trying to do with that title specifically um and now you've got this match here on uh you know basically the pre-show uh what do you think heading into this one it's certainly not one that really has much of a bill because it was just kind of thrown on there but it's clear you know that AEW is going to continue pushing this uh, nwa women's world title especially since one of their own now serena deeb uh, has the title well, even if it's thrown on without a uh, without a build, that makes it uh, 
built just about as much as the actual <laughs> AEW women's title match too, unfortunately. And and we've actually been talking how the uh, how the NWA title, the NWA women's title has uh, has felt more important than the AEW women's title over the past yeah. uh, over the past few months or so, especially with the uh, with the tear that Thunder Rosa had. But uh, but Serena Deeb has become somewhat of a mainstay within the division, uh, really a veteran hand in the women's division here at AEW. And uh, and I feel like it's it's a bit too early to dethrone her. So even even with the the small amount of build this has, I think Serena Deeb will probably come out on top. But nonetheless, I'm excited to see Allison Kay get this type of exposure. I'm I'm not sure if you were able to see her match versus Thunder Rosa back at NWA yes. uh, Hard Times. Was that the was that the show? Yeah, fantastic match. Fantastic match. So so I'm excited to see what she can do uh, against Serena Deeb on a on a large on a large scale like this and putting them up on a on the buy-in uh, to where everybody can see it for free. That is quite that is quite a bit of exposure for for both of these women. And I'm excited to see what they can do with it. Yeah, it's important to point out because I think sometimes people forget that about, well, it's why is it on the buy-in, you know, put it in a spot to where it's actually on the, the main card, maybe gets more exposure. I don't necessarily agree with that because when you're trying to push it, like like you said, the buy-in's free. Like you don't have to pay anything to watch this. And so um, I think this could draw a lot of people in and you get a lot of eyeballs on people who are getting ready to either watch the pay-per-view or, you know what, maybe they're not. And this is just something they can watch and seek out and say, oh, okay, well, at least I get to watch this match even if I don't don't want to pay for the pay-per-view, which I think if you're an AEW fan, you definitely want to pay, you know, pay for this one because uh, it's loaded, mm-hmm. like we said. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm picking Serena Deeb in this one and because the timing is interesting, as we know, because uh, Allison Kay just announced like two days ago that she was, uh, you know, basically a free agent now and gone from NWA and now she's getting uh, the title shot. So maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe she becomes someone that, that AEW looks at as a potential full-time addition there to their women's roster. We'll see. Uh, either way, should be a good match with that one. All right, let's jump into the main card, and we're going to start with the match we just said that got moved from the buy-in to the main card, and that is Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. Uh, as you know, here we go. I mean, this, here this we is go. this is when OC it starts, and Big John. right? This is when it starts. Like, this is when the actual show starts. I, I'm surprised we're talking about this first, to be honest, because uh, in my mind, you know, this is the main event. Uh, this is uh, the one that everyone's paying for. This is what I'm paying my $49.99 for right here. Um, I just, you know, we, we talked about this on Dissecting Dynamite about how AW's done such a good job of letting the personalities just flow with guys. And I mean, what better way than this? Like what better two examples than orange Cassidy and John silver, who uh, are just such different types of characters. And they have not done anything to sort of stifle what orange Cassidy did before he came to AEW. He's been the same guy since he's evolved into much more than what he was when he started. And now with John silver, he started as just a sidekick for the dark order. And now you could honestly argue that he's probably the star, if if not Brody Lee. Uh, But Man, this is this should be pure entertainment. I don't know if this is going to be a five star uh, wrestling match, but five star entertainment here for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it'll end up being uh, five stars for for Big Dave or not, but uh, <laughs> but for me, it'll be five stars in my heart. Yeah. Uh, seeing John Silver really really finding his rhythm, really really being able to to shine within this AEW machine over the past few months or so uh, has been a joy, and putting up. Uh, his character versus Orange Cassidy is sure to be, like you said, uh, just an entertainment goldmine. And and we've talked about it a bit on uh, on Dissecting Dynamite, but 
the power of being the elite, uh, even in the time of, of a pandemic, John Silver is getting over and he is really, uh, he is really showing what a star can look like. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm very, very excited for this match. Uh, but, but when I'm thinking about this match, uh, at a storytelling basis, I'm, I'm thinking to myself that, that orange Cassidy needs this win more than, than yeah. John Silver. He, yeah, like he had two uh, two failures against Cody, uh, lost a bit of momentum, arguably since since his feud with Jericho, and he's been in a bit of a holding pattern for for a little bit now before they thrust him into this mini feud with John Silver. Uh, I I think Orange Cassidy needs it more than John does. Well, you know it's going to be hard for me to say, but I agree with you. Um, I'm going to have to pick against my man John Silver here because that's what something I was going to bring up because you know a lot of people were wondering why they put Orange Cassidy in that spot back to back times if he wasn't going to win one of them, and of course you know the second one he lost via shenanigans because we had you know Silver interfere mm-hmm. and you had Arn Anderson do his thing, and um, so it it felt like I don't know like the rematch really didn't feel necessary at all when you think back on it, but I guess to lead to this it did. Um, so maybe they have bigger ideas, bigger plans, but uh, I, I think so too. I think Orange Cassidy has to win this match because John Silver is going to be over no matter whether he wins the match or not. I mean, I just think he's he's still going to be someone that's very over, uh, and the fans aren't going to just completely turn on this guy if he loses to Orange Cassidy. I think this is going to give you the, it's like this is exactly what you want. Like this is what pairing these two guys together with their personalities and everything they do, like this is sort of like the the match you want to see. So uh, Orange Cassidy should get the win here. I'll go with that too. Uh, we'll see if we got that one uh, correct. But, but but what I wanna what I wanna know in this match here is uh is just where do these characters go from here? Because yeah. they're both incredibly beloved characters. But uh but John, he's he's quickly, might I say outgrowing the dark order i mean i mean it is is what's the purpose of of the dark order of course they're they're there as a as a large domineering group within AEW, but also they're there to uh to be to be behind brody lee at what point does does john silver end up uh detracting from from that purpose and at what point does he is he more beloved than he needs to be within this uh supposed heel group uh, I, I feel like John Silver has a lot of potential. Uh, I, I I don't know how quickly he's going to grow, but he's shown that he uh, that he really deserves a lot of attention within uh, within that group. And then Orange Cassidy on the other side of it, he's done huge things this year. Uh, wh- wh- where does he go? Uh, where does he go from here? Uh, what what does his character? character development look like going forward yeah I, I i brought this up to someone but i think that when aw has fans back full time so you have a full audience full arena however you do it i don't I mean, we obviously we don't know when that's going to be but i said the two biggest pops i think you could get in a full arena like return show would be jericho's theme being you know everyone singing judas in the audience which they're going to do no matter what i said and then it would mm-hmm. probably be orange cassidy like winning the world title or something because like you think about how right, everyone right. would just insanely like everyone would lose their mind um but but i think that kind of tells you though with orange cassidy like I think you could put him in any of those spots and sure, like people may get upset if like eventually, again, we're not saying this is going to happen within the next couple months or anything, but like way down the line, like if Orange Cassidy, if they put him in that situation, almost like a, I don't know, you think back to, and this is completely different. You're comparing, you know, apples to oranges here, but remember back like when Triple H, I, I want to say it was, it was against Jericho, of course, but I want to say that was either 2000, maybe that was 2000, 2001 when Triple H 
beat or Jericho beat Triple H on Raw, and it was like one of those flash finishes, and they beat him for the title, and everyone just lost their mind. Um, and then right. of course Triple H bullied Earl Hebner, whoever, into reversing the decision and all that. Like eventually down the line, like could you imagine like if you had Orange Cassidy in that scenario versus MJF or something, uh, where the amount of <laughs> The it, amount of heat it would bring to to an MJF or or to a Jericho or 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 just a monster heel in that spot would be insane. And, and I didn't <laughs> even think of a scenario like that. But Orange Cassidy's character just so beloved, but also once he gets going in the ring, you can see uh, that 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 within the within the universe that they built at AEW, he can be seen as a as a threat to to major contenders like like yeah. Chris Jericho as well because people uh, underestimate his abilities. Yeah, I agree. And he's I mean the Jericho feud like just everyone thought that Orange Cassidy was going to be hurt the worst by this pandemic and saying, well, he has no crowd, no one's going to react. Like, what's he going to do? And he's evolved so much into someone that you know we've seen him have these good title matches. We've seen him with the Jericho thing, and so. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that at some point down the road, and it may upset some people, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even mind seeing them uh, say, hey, we're going to do this uh, one week or two weeks or something and just roll with it and let everybody lose their mind. So uh, we'll see. That's down the road. Uh, let's talk about the AEW women's uh, title match. We just talked about the NWA women's championship. Uh, Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. Uh, this is a match we've seen before. And Andy, I thought they had a good match the last time, although this one doesn't feel like it really has the build that the previous one had. And going back to some of Cody's comments in his press conference, he was asked about this and basically said, you know, AEW is a it's a wrestling promotion and that fans have been conditioned to want a storyline or a lot of drama heading into a specific match. But for him, someone who tries to focus on the sports-centric side of things, um, sometimes it's just a match. Like, sometimes, and, and I, I understand what he's trying to say, because I, I do agree with him to an mm-hmm. extent that you can't, like, every match isn't going to be Moxley versus Kingston. Like, you're not going to have that emotion. You're not going to have that drama. But I think the problem is that, it's within the women's division and people are already looking at AEW and say, we don't think they're doing enough with this division. Now, if this was another match elsewhere, if this was Cody versus Darby Allen, you, you know, that history could sort of speak for itself, but this is another one of those matches where it's like, okay, we're trying to push the women's division forward, but is anyone really that overly invested in this match just because there hasn't really been much of a build to it? That's the thing. At one po- at what point does that become a recurring negative trait within the women's division? I I understand that if uh may- maybe a one off pay per view or a one off women's title match, if it- 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 just a one off doesn't have any build. But if you're building to one of your largest shows of the year, one of your one of your big four shows, and uh and once again the women's division is left without a proper build, then it then it becomes an issue. Yeah. And and I understand what Cody's saying too, but when uh when some of Cody's entrances last longer than <laughs> the entire build to a major women's match, then that's an issue. Uh how much build did this match have? You, you had right. uh, Nyla glaring in the ring at Sheeta uh after a successful defense. A couple weeks later, uh, last night on AEW Dynamite, we had uh, Vicky Guerrero cutting a 30-second promo on Sheeta. But other than that, where's the story? Yeah, it uh, it it's it's disappointing. But like you said, it's uh, it's sure to be a, a good match, a solid match, an entertaining match, just like their last encounter was. 
but it's just uh, it's just disappointing to be going into a uh, a big women's title match again without uh, proper proper emotional pull. Yeah, it's just uh, I mean they did some stuff on Dark, but I think you have to understand that Dark is a, a lot of people watch Dark. Like they'll go back and replay it and it's fine, but like you have TNT as your platform here and I think you just need to be able to do more with uh with that on that platform each week. And like you said, I mean even if it's 1 minute, I've said that. Like you could do it for 1 minute, like 30 seconds. And like and that's that's fine. Like but that adds up over time. You just have to do it regularly and you have to do more of it um to get people invested in this. This is a hard one for me to call, I think. Sheeta probably wins. I'm going to pick her to win because I've told you I think the next few there is to put Sheeta versus Britt Baker, and I think eventually the best way to do this is to put the title on Britt Baker, and that's not taking anything away from Sheeta, but I just think you need sort of a change of pace at this point because you've kind of proven that Sheeta's pretty much beaten everyone. Like, she's pretty much taken everyone out at this point, and so, um, you know, what's next, and what are your, you know, and I don't know, maybe that's part, maybe they bring someone in. Like, maybe that's one of the things. Maybe someone signs eventually, and they, they go to that person, but I just don't – I feel like your options are limited here if you go with Nyla because I just don't know who else you put her up against uh, that's going to feel like a legitimate threat to her uh, if it's just someone on the current roster, I guess. Yeah, I, I completely understand that point of view, and I was actually on board with you when uh, when you and I were discussing this match uh, last night during Dissecting Dynamite. But, uh, but I've been thinking about it a bit more lately, and the key difference between the first uh, matchup between Sheeta and Nyla Rose and this one – is uh is Vicky Guerrero yeah and and in my opinion uh Nyla definitely has a stronger character and presence currently along with Vicky Guerrero than than Sheeta does Sheeta has a whole bunch of uh, uh of course she's really built up this reign has had a bit of a monster reign but but there hasn't been much build around that reign so there isn't much of an aura around it uh and in my mind the story of chasing a monster heel is a simple story to tell in a short amount of time. And to put Nyla in that spot again uh, just makes sense if AEW does want to return to that route. Uh, but like like you and I have discussed on many occasions before, uh, Britt Baker is really the star of this division. And where would she stand? Uh, she's been doing her shtick for a while now. And I don't know if her character were, would work as a face against Nyla, but what I do know is that uh, Britt Baker versus Vicky on the mic would be better than <laughs> Vicky versus Sheeta on the mic. So so I'm going to go ahead and hesitantly go with Nyla Rose for my pick, but like I said, with, with the lack of build going into it and uh, and with the lack of foresight going forward, it's, it's a difficult match to call. Well, and like I said this too, like, you know, I, I see that point because – what if one of these surprises, like we're saying, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this surprise theme throughout the show because AEW is really pushing this shocking surprise type thing, uh, at least with right. some of the stuff you see. And so, uh, obviously, we'll get into that in a minute. But like everybody's brought up, like what well, Tessa Blanchard, of course, she's someone else that's out there that you know was obviously you know the face of women's wrestling there a while back before you know things kind of got out of control and you just had you know her leave the way she did, and and a lot of people wonder would AEW 
WWE really, you know, go that route? Well, you know, I don't know. But I think that, that there's there's options for them out there, and I think that's what's frustrating. You know, we talk about someone like Layla Hurst. Sure, she's not a huge star at this point, but, like, you can see the foundation there. You can see what she could do in the future. Uh, and so, I don't know. At least there is intrigue, I guess, in this, because we don't really know who's going to win this match, and uh, maybe there's something coming out of it that we can talk more about and, and more of a, a positive light uh, for the women's division. Um, all right. All right, Andy, let's go to the the elite deletion match, because this is uh, this is I think it's it's safe to say this is going to be the most unique thing on the show, uh, because uh, it's Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Um, By the way, Sammy Guevara, Andy, of course, my my diamond of the week. Uh, He was my guy. Um, Thought he did a fantastic job. Your guy. Yes. I thought he was great on Dynamite, but uh, I don't know that he's going to fare too well in this one, because uh, it seems like uh, this one, as we know, um, just it's going to be one of these uh, compound type things it's going to be different uh i would hope there's just going to be a lot of hilarious callbacks to other things um i know someone brought up the possibility that uh, maybe the finish to this match is ultimately what we saw in that last match even though you know certainly the circumstances were not great to where maybe they go up on top of something and then that winds up putting sammy in the uh, lake of reincarnation or something like that and gets thrown off in there i'm not sure but I feel like that this is going to be at least fun. I mean, you know, I'll pick Matt Hardy to win this, but we know this is not just sort of your regular wrestling match. But uh, I'm just, I'm always fascinated by these because I just, I love seeing all the different callbacks and all the little Easter eggs you can find along the way that just make it hilarious. Oh yeah, I, I've been a huge fan of these uh, of these cinematic matches uh, going back throughout the Broken Universe, but also uh, specifically during this pandemic era. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch what WWE has been able to do with it. And now uh, we're going to go back into the quote unquote broken universe with Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, their all out match was arguably one of AEW's few yeah. low points throughout their first year. Uh, but I have a lot of questions going into this match. There's a lot of injury going into this match. How is Matt Hardy's character going to be used? Of course, he's pretty much dropped the the broken gimmick. Uh, it says it isn't as fun to put on without the fan interaction. But JR said last night, uh, AEW is able to routinely and safely pack a thousand people into Daly's place, and they're expecting that type of crowd for for for, for full gear, I assume. Yeah. So does that point towards? a return of a more theatrical character from, from Matt Hardy. Uh, but like you discussed, uh, Sammy being your diamond of the week last night, Sammy, Sammy has proven himself in the ring as well as in these more theatrical matches, like the, like the stadium stampede, not exactly a, a, a cinematic match, but still larger than life. So how is he going to fare going full on, full on wacko against, <laughs> uh, against Matt Hardy? Uh, and, this one's so this this one's tough to call for me because Matt Hardy he won the match at All Out even if he had yeah. that he did, didn't he 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 was victorious right. in their match yeah. at All Out and I feel like. Uh, I see, mean, I, I think he could I, lose I, here and you could see him like you like you said at the beginning. I think you could see him lose this and then come back as like this completely different like afterwards. Like I feel like that's an angle they could go with too. Right, and that's the thing, and and I hope that this is the end of the program between the two of them <laughs> yes. uh, just because it's been a bit drawn out now. And I feel like Sammy has more to gain uh, by, by winning the program. So I think I'm going to go ahead and go with Sammy on this one. 
And I'm hoping that it's as uh, it's as entertaining as you and I both think it'll be. I hope so. And I, I think Sammy either way is going to come out of this. And we talked about that that tag team match they had on Dynamite with uh, with Sammy and, and Ortiz against MJF and Wardlow. Like you could tell, like in that match, and I, I brought it up to you. I was like, man, you, Sammy's the he- like he's a heel, but you can see like future like babyface all over this guy just because he's that good. And I think with the entertainment factor, like he could come out of this match, like his stock could go even higher, even with something like this. That's just so different and off the wall, but I think he's entertaining enough to pull it off. Um, and I just, I'm really looking forward to this. Like, I think this is going to be a blast. Um, and of course, Matt Hardy, he's been teasing it all over the place. And the, what he wrote on Instagram not too long ago was, um, it was, I guess, I don't remember when this was, but he said in less than a week, uh, the elite deletion will happen at AEW full gear. And I'm confident it will be remembered for eternity. So, uh, there's your cell. Uh, eternity is going to remember this elite deletion match uh, we'll see um all right let's talk about we just mentioned mjf let's just jump into him now because uh, it's mjf versus chris jericho um mjf wins he is joining the inner circle man andy we talk about unpredictability i i have no idea where they go with this um and i i'm gonna say that about a couple of other things here but I don't like I've been I've been racking my brain trying to figure out, OK, how is this going to play out? Um, you've seen MJF do some of the interviews like saying that, you know, he's not trying to turn the inner circle on anyone like he just wants to be part of the group um, and really just playing this up. Like it's almost like he's setting you up for something big here. And I just cannot figure out what that's going to be. And I love it because I have no clue how this is going to unfold. Um, I guess picking the winner I mean, I guess you have to pick MJF, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know how this. I'm just being honest. Like, this is probably the most unpredictable result for me on this entire card because I don't know where they go with this. Oh yeah, the the story building up to this match has just been one of the most uh, entertaining spectacles to to behold within AEW's short time. Uh, the the little musical departure that they had, the the town hall situation, uh, and just both of these guys just super charismatic, very very amazing promos between the both of them. Uh, but that unpredictability factor is just getting me as well. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of speculation uh, online that the inner circle could possibly turn on Jericho, but I think that that would maybe. Uh, prematurely take away a lot of the dramatic tension within the group if MJF did have the opportunity to join. Uh, I, I don't think it would be the right time to uh, to turn Jericho. I think there's a lot of mileage left within the inner circle, and I think it's a more interesting story to to put MJF into, uh, into that group and see how he fares and see how uh, the other members of the inner circle react to the whole situation and react to the power dynamic between he and Jericho. Uh, I, I think it's more likely that there's, uh, and once again, I'm not a booker, so uh, <laughs> I, I think it's more likely that there's some sort of like mix up when it comes to interference in this match uh, that leads to an MJF win. Uh, someone in the inner circle uh, s- slips up when they're interfering and act- accidentally clocks Jericho rather than MJF, maybe like plants seeds of distrust within the group uh, with MJF at the, at the center of all of it. Uh, but but what I'm really looking forward to when it comes to this match is that uh, MJF really added 
another edge to the feud on this past edition of Dynamite. It was just kind of like a friendly matchup before, like a like a spar to see if MJF uh, is worthy enough to join the group. But now there's some genuine heat behind it with MJF uh, tackling Jericho through the uh, through the announced display, and. And I, I'm excited to see how it all unravels at full gear. That's a good point. I think that, you know, a lot of people maybe look at this match as sort of the ending point of this. You feel like, though, it's the best way is just to, like, make this the starting point. Like, now, you know, he joins the group, and like you said, then where do you go? Like, then you're really intrigued. It's like, okay, because every second you're thinking, all right, who's about to turn on who, or one of these guys going to turn on the other? Um, I think that's the way to go, because then you get a lot more mileage out of this. Um, and people were, I think people too were thinking, well, why do you start with MJF versus Jericho? Because I don't think that's the ultimate destination. I think that's why they started with it, because this is like the start of the story uh, to where eventually you're going to work towards, you know, someone else being in, in one of these spots, because I think if you have him join the inner circle now, then, you know, every week on Dynamite, you're looking around at all these different guys saying, boy, what does he think about him or what does he think about him? And then, you know, then you start having that dysfunction between the original inner circle members. And I think that leads to more possibility. So uh, I, I'm very looking forward to this one because I, I don't know which direction they go. But I do think you bring up a good point about maybe you get one of those uh, botched interference type things. And um, Jericho ultimately is really pissed because MGF officially becomes part of the inner circle. And uh, any way you look at it, though, right? Them two working together um, going forward, that, that's probably good for ratings, too. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, we have a couple demo gods. Or, or we have one demo god. And do you remember what MJF called himself a, a rating? Yeah, I, I, I know. I'm trying to remember me. what it was. Yeah, but uh, they are. I mean, they're going to – that just means more musicals, too. So, uh, wow. I'm all for it. I'm that's, all for it. <laughs> it's going to be great. All right, let's get into uh, what I think most people look at as – sort of the big four here uh, in terms of uh, the championship matches on the card. And uh, we hate knocking the uh, the AEW Women's Championship, but as we said, it's kind of where the division's at right now. But let's start with, um, which I guess this one's not actually a championship match, but uh, we're kind of looking at it that way, right? Because it's such a match between two guys mm-hmm. that are about to compete for a championship. Um, and that is Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. It is the finals of the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. Um, this is the title tournament the final that probably everyone expected. A lot of people tried to, I think, uh, work themselves into thinking that AEW was not going to go this direction when I thought from the very beginning this was the only thing that made sense uh, because now you don't just have these two going at each other. You have these two going at each other for a bigger prize. Um, and I'm just... I don't know. I think you give these guys, you know, as much time as they want. And I feel like they're going to tell some kind of story here. That's just going to be very fascinating. Uh, Andy, you and I talked about it on the dissecting dynamite show. I mean, you know, they had the different promos. They had sort of the interactions they had um, on on Dynamite, but they, you know, have not been in a situation yet where you've just seen either one of these two snap. I think you're going to see one of these two just completely snap in this match. I mean, I think obviously everyone thinks it's going to be Omega, uh, but I don't know. This was... This one's hard to call here because I, I'm i going to pick Omega just because I picked it from the beginning, but I could see a situation where Paige wins and then you see Omega just completely snap and just destroy him after that at some point or another. Uh, but I'm going to start and I guess just pick Omega here since I picked him from the beginning. Yeah, this is a match that I feel like everyone has been looking forward to for months. Just the gradual build in this story uh, leading to this has just been amazing. However, similar 
to my thoughts on uh, the Chris Jericho MJF match. I don't think this is necessarily our end point. I don't think Hangman's redemption arc ends here. We've seen a lot of interesting uh, storylines planted throughout this, uh, most prominently over the past few weeks. Uh, Kenny's arrogance, Hangman's anxiousness, his, his supposed alcoholism. Uh, and, and Kenny has shown to be confident in what he can do as a single star, especially in these uh, in these tournament settings. While Hangman is still... He's, he's still shaken from the drama with the elite. He's shaken uh, from these big losses to FTR and then months back to Jericho. And and I feel like he feels that he hasn't been able to prove himself as a big single star on a, on a large stage the way Omega has been able to. And you and I have both said it many times. Uh, the money match, I feel like, is Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Right. Uh, their face-offs have been their face-offs in the past have just been magic, and with the added stakes of the title, the possibilities are endless. Where we go from there, I feel like the real end of the of the Hangman Redemption arc months down the line is Kenny Omega with the belt, and Hangman is the one that dethrones him uh, because Hangman Page still has a long way to go. He's shown that with the way his character has been portrayed, especially on last night's episode of Dynamite. And uh, it, it, it's going to prove to be an interesting story along with a potential five-star match. Just just an amazing wall-to-wall banger of a match. Yeah, it will be. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I've said it many times at this point. I think it's, you know, you go to Moxley, Omega, then you go to Omega and Page. Uh, I just think that's the that's the sequence at this point. It just feels like the the best way to go, um, and you know you get that redemption story eventually. And and I don't think if you hold off on the page thing, I think that you still have plenty of time to continue telling that emotional kind of aspect of him because we kind of saw that with that interview with with Jr. on on Dynamite. You know, it's sort of like we we brought up. It's basically him saying, "Hey, I, this is all I have." When talking about the drinking and stuff, and like if I don't win this match and I don't win this title, like I don't have anything else. And so uh, what happens if he doesn't like then where does he go from there and that's why I don't know like maybe you know he continues being sort of that just sort of lackadaisical guy that's just going around not just getting overly upset and everything and then eventually you know when Kenny wins the title then he just loses it and I think that's the way to go like then you just build up all that tension you build it up even more and now you you don't just have these two fighting for the winner of the tournament like you have these two fighting for the belt and I think that's just that that seems like the best way to go to me yeah I I I completely completely agree but uh but in any case we are in store for uh a potential match of the year and I I I think this I think this Oh gosh, between this and uh, Moxley versus Kingston, I don't know which one I am I'm more hyped for. Yeah, I agree, and we'll get to that one uh, here in a minute. But uh, let's go to uh, Cody versus Darby Allen for the TNT title. Um, this is one that uh, I mean, like we said, we've seen these two before. We know the story arc here. Uh, Cody kind of played this up in his press conference a bit too, saying, "Hey, you know, he kind of got in character for a second, basically saying, you know, I've beaten Darby Allen, you know, multiple times now. Um, I almost feel like you know other people should have stepped up, and I had a different challenger here." So he's kind of, you know, we've said it many times now, Andy. It's like he's playing up those heel tendencies, and we know eventually there's probably going to come a time where he does like go to that point, uh, but. Of course, the the bigger thing here is, 
and you and I, we, we mentioned this on Dissecting Dynamite, the rumors about Sting, <laughs> um, you know, the shocking surprise. I keep going back to it because it's almost like I'm trying to convince myself that this is crazy. But then again, like you tie it all together and like I could see why people go there. And it's not one of those where like you just dismiss it and say, OK, well, come on, wrestling fans, calm down. But I can see why you would tie together all the potential things here. Uh, but I, I don't know because, you know, I was thinking back to, and I was thinking about this earlier um, about Dynamite, but like Cody was really pushing that, you know, face of TNT type of thing and, you know, basically saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm sort of that guy and, you know, who wants Darby Allen as sort of the face of TNT and then you're thinking back, well, you know, Sting was the face of TNT there for a while and you look back at Nitro and I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading too much into this uh, because uh, that's what we do when we have idle time and we're wrestling fans. We try to connect all this stuff. But um, either way, I think this is going to be a good match. And man, I am. I actually think I'm going to pick Darby Allen to win this thing. I think that's going to be maybe different than expected. Um, but I I think Darby Allen is going to win this title. And then I think we move to Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks uh, eventually for this AWTNT title. I really feel like that's probably the next direction. Uh, because if Cody wins, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know if, I mean, but, all right, let's just say, let's just do this real quick, Andy. We're going to get this out of the way, so we're not going to bring up this rumor anymore. But, like, Cody versus Sting for the AWTNT, I just don't see that. Like, I don't, if let's for some reason say Sting shows up <laughs> and all this other stuff, right? So, I, I'm going to pick Darby Allen because I think they've sensibly built up the fact that Darby Allen and Ricky Starks just hate each other. And so, I'm going to say this is Darby's big win. We've seen him sort of transform himself. Uh, Cody's talked about it. He's a different guy now than when they first, you know, met and those first couple times uh i think this is the win for darby allen and i think we get something out of this match i don't know what it's going to be i don't know if this is where the shocking surprise comes but i think there's going to be a big talking point coming out of this match you know i keep on trying to deflate my expectations uh when it comes to the whole sting scenario and people just keep on throwing some (laughs) flames on the fire and it's getting me hyped up and you guys are 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 getting me ready to be let down and it is just it's just painful but uh, but but nonetheless, I'm going to address the sting, sting speculation even more. Uh, last night we we had just gotten done speaking about it on dissecting dynamite, and and I went on a, a little rant within that show, thinking, oh, there's there's no way it's going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. I get off and I and I get on Twitter and I see uh, Jim Cornette's posted a. Uh, a a video uh, a little snippet from his podcast talking about uh potential sting rumors everybody is talking about it and uh and usually when there's when there's smoke there's a fire somewhere uh like you said the story leading in is that darby thinks tnt doesn't want him as the face of the company cody says otherwise cody says that darby doesn't have what it takes he isn't the winner he isn't the workhorse uh well you know what with him putting down Darby there and with uh, him putting down Darby again at the at the media conference, I, I can't see Darby not winning yeah. because, I, I mean, Darby needs this win. He's had big matches before versus Moxley, versus Pac, versus Adam Page, versus Cody on a couple occasions, versus Jericho, and he's lost all of them. He's shown that he isn't a main event player just yet, uh, and with the way Cody's been building it, that's, that's what – that's what Darby's uphill climb is. I feel like Darby needs this win. And, uh, but from there specifically, uh, those couple big matches with Cody, what makes this match different? 
if that ends up being sting <laughs> i'm going to mark out i'm going to i'm going to go crazy i'm going to run into my bathroom and grab my white and black uh face paint and and just and just go crazy night of uh because if cody loses it has to be a big moment it has to mean something see just he just took the title from brody lee a month ago this could just as easily be brody lee versus uh versus darby allen but but cody's positioned him himself in this spot for a reason and like you said with all the lead-ins with uh with darby hanging out uh at the top of the arena near the rafters with uh with the the black and white vignettes that it's been showing for darby allen uh darby allen wears I, I, of course this is a this is a stretch at this point but darby allen wears face paint too but, <laughs> you know <sighs> I here's what I'm going to say like is it I feel like match placement is going to be really important here because if for some reason this match goes on last you want to talk about the sting rumors now if this is the last match on the show I think when before that match even starts like you're going to have people losing their minds thinking okay like this is it like if we haven't had that big shocking surprise before this point in the show um you know because I I think realistically i don't know like it's hard to call because right because cody keeps pushing about how and he says it all the time like the the tnt title is on the same level as the world title like that's how they view it they don't really put you know one above the other they think it's the same title basically um it's just a different name and so i could see them putting kobe cody versus darby allen in the main event here i could legitimately see that although i think moxley and kingston as we'll talk about in a second like it's been built up as well as anything on this show without question um and you know it is your aw world title even though if you want to say both titles are even people are gonna look at the world title and say that's your world title moxley's had it for this long like this feels like the big match but i'm telling you if for some reason <laughs> they, they put cody versus darby allen on last People, social media is going to lose it. Like I'm just telling you, like Twitter is going to lose their minds if they, if we get into the show and we see Moxley versus Kingston, like at the, I don't know, like at the fifth or sixth match or something. I think you could very well be leading towards Cody versus Darby Allen as the main event. Uh, I I honestly hadn't even considered that before you just said that, but I mean, in my mind, that the build to this match hasn't hasn't leveled up against uh, yeah. the Moxley Kingston, the Omega page. So if they did put it in that spot, I feel like it would be uh, a dead giveaway. That's the thing that, that, that at least something huge was going to happen. Um, what, wh- what if this shows up in the middle of the show and then Steve right. shows up? <laughs> smacked up? I mean, just, this entire show top to bottom has that unpredictability factor, but it also just has a, a lot of hype around uh, a, a large amount of all the matches. So wherever this match or wherever this match shows up on the card, uh, I I'm sure it'll deliver in one way or the other, whether or not we get sting and whether or not I'm going to be in my bathroom applying the white and black face paint. I don't know. Well, another match people think, and uh, I think this talk has been, you know, less since the past couple of weeks, but at one point people were clamoring for FDR versus the Young Bucks to be the potential main event on the show um, for the AEW tag team titles. Uh, of course, uh, Telly Blanchard is banned from ringside. You've got uh, the Young Bucks adding the stipulation now that uh, if they don't win this match, they will never be able to challenge for the titles again. So recalling Cody from a year ago at full gear. Um, But 
Andy, as we said, and, and we I want to reiterate this. Like, I think this is going to be a really good match. I think it's going to be very entertaining. I don't think, you know, going in, I don't have the expectations of uh, the Revolution Tag match. If you do, I would say I would probably kind of halt that a bit. Uh, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe because my expectations aren't as high, maybe they go in and just completely blow me away here. But the story, I mean, this is not anything surprising for most people, I think. It just hasn't been what we thought it would be. I think it's been very up and down. I don't know that the consistency has been there at all in terms of what we thought we would get from the story leading into this match. Some people have said it feels a little rushed because they haven't been able to properly tell the full story here, and it feels like it's just being put together, you know, without without really it's just being put together with a lot of these stipulations added in you know the last chance and all this like i feel like they're they're adding these stipulations because the build just hasn't been to the level that we thought it would be from a storytelling standpoint um what do you think because i don't i mean you know the young bucks add the stipulation of if they don't win but i mean the the thing is too like they've talked about how like Dave Meltzer brought up about Matt Jackson was legitimately injured. So he's actually hurt. Um, and how they're going to be able to do this match because, you know, they've been doing matches of course. And, and people are like, well, why, if he's legitimately hurt with a partially torn MCL, um, and apparently it's like a thinning of the ACL. That was a report, uh, that people put up, uh, I think it was here on Thursday. So, I don't know, like, what, are you going to get the same type of match here that you would if Matt Jackson was 100%? Probably not. Uh, but I I don't know where they're going here. And I think, you know, for like the Jericho MJF thing, that's that's one direction because that's more of an unpredictability that I'm sort of fascinated by. I'm interested in this too, but I just think the story hasn't been what I thought it would be. That's the thing. Uh, a very inconsistent build leading into this match. Uh, at the start of it, you had the Young Bucks kind of heelish tendencies and overconfidence clashing with uh, basically FTR's just win by anything attitude, their no nonsense approach, and, and their and their massive entry into the company. But uh, but their dynamic hasn't been as much of a no brainer as I as I thought it would be. Uh, that added st- stipulation that you were talking about adds a bit of intrigue. Uh, if the Young Bucks lose, they never challenge for the titles again, kind of painting themselves into a, into a storytelling corner there. Uh, but then, I mean, you would think with that stipulation that the Young Bucks would have to win. But like you said, Matt Jackson's uh, real-life injury uh, being translated into a, a story injury as well, it's going to be a major story element within this match. Uh, I, I, I think even with that, I have to go with the Young Bucks just because I can't see I can't see a world where the Young Bucks never win the AEW tag team titles. I mean, they are arguably the best tag team working today. And that's what this match is supposedly built upon. If you look at the uh, the promo package put together on this past week's edition of Dynamite. Uh, but like we said, it really hasn't been necessarily built that way, but I, I guess I have to go with the young bucks. I, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know how many times we've said, I don't know over the course of this, of this podcast already, but that is really uh, a theme of this pay-per-view. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with the Young Bucks. Yeah, I'm going to use the Eric Bischoff line again. I know Eric Bischoff's not everyone's favorite, but uh, Eric Bischoff, he always pumps about the the unpredictability. Um, this, this card has unpredictability, but I'm going to pick FTR here because my question is this. If Matt Jackson actually has this torn MCL or whatever it is, like how are 
like what where do they go from there like it's uh, surely if it's if it's like a torn mc or mcl and it's like a like you mentioned like the i think it was dave Meltzer that reported this I, I have to pull it up but i mean if it's like a thinning of the acl2 like that's not something you want to be out there having matches on every single week i feel like that's something you need to take some time off for um so uh, I, here's what i think i think they go FTR here and they win and then you maybe we'll see you can look at this I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like we well, you know what you can't go back to it for the titles because if the Young Bucks lose like how are they going to come back and win the titles they're not going to get a shot again so I don't know man I I thought it was a no-brainer but now I'm like I don't I don't know I'm like trying to talk myself out of it I'm going to pick FTR here I don't know how like you said the Young Bucks maybe they're one of those teams that just really never need the titles because they're just they're the Young Bucks um, but at the same time does that take away from some of their future feuds that they have in AEW, or are they not Cody? And do they eventually say, you know what, we're going to go full heel here. We're going to get our shots and you can hate us for it. And we're going to win the titles anyways. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the direction they can go into. So ah, I don't know. Yeah. That's something else too. Like uh, if, if the young bucks do backtrack on this stipulation later on, uh, does that not only uh, devalue the storyline that they were going with, but Cody's situation as well? What 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 does that do for that? Because it, it's not like they were ignoring uh, past stimula- uh, past stipulations. Jericho brought up on commentary just this past week, uh, comparing this situation to his situation with Cody. So they they definitely know what they're doing. They're they're not ignoring. Uh, ignoring history here so to see where they go with that stipulation is going to be very interesting yep i i don't know we'll see what happens i don't know if eventually down the line we have cody and the young bucks just full-on heels and they're like you know what we're both going to go for the titles again forget what everything we said uh we're just going to make you all hate us and we're going to go for the titles i don't know if they could pull that off but um i guess that's a possibility that they could do uh, down the down the road at some point but uh all right let's get to the world championship match uh the one i think you and i are both looking forward to just maybe the most here this is a stat card but man what john moxie and eddie kingston have done to build up this match has been pretty fantastic uh this is going to be an i quit match for the championship uh I, I said it on twitter like i just think these two are literally going to destroy each other like it's going to be absolutely i mean even like the graphic you just look at the graphic that aw's put together and you just see this the, these two guys faces like it looks like these two are about to just go try to just tear something down with their bare hands and unfortunately it's going to be each other that they're trying to tear down um because i, I don't know this is just going to be glorious it is going to be glorious destruction uh because they i I feel like as soon as they hit the ring, like they are going to tear each other apart. And I am so looking forward to this. Oh yeah. I I cannot disagree on that one. The build to this match has just had uh, levels of realism and intensity that you, that you just don't often see in wrestling, maybe in uh, Academy award-winning dramas, but not in professional wrestling, like uh, two master storytellers here. And with an I quit match, they have the, the entire toy box to play with. Uh, I, I mean, like the, the the story running into this match is ha, has been very clearly outlined. Uh, Eddie Kingston he feels be- betrayed. He he thinks Moxley has failed him as a friend on his way to the top of the industry, and, and, and now Kingston thinks it's his time to rise to the top. It's his time to gain that AEW title, and he is going to do anything in order to get there. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I think this match is going to be 
insane. Sometimes I see on Twitter, I see online of uh, of people ragging on Kingston's in-ring skills, uh, saying, oh, he's a great promo, but I wish he was better in the ring, and I don't buy it. Uh, the realism and intensity that he that he has on the mic, it translates to his in-ring abilities. He is intense. He feels real. His facial expressions are great. They show anger. They show hate. They fr- show frustration, brutality, desperation. And, and paired with Moxley's matching intensity and storytelling abilities, uh, this match, I, I can't anticipate it <laughs> anymore. And it probably the most probably my most anticipated match of Moxley's reign thus far. And, and and that's saying a lot because he's had a solid reign. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And I think a lot of people would consider this the biggest match thus far, maybe the most anticipated one, because, you know, he has, unfortunately, again, circumstances that he can't control. None of us can control, but he has been the champion during the pandemic era. And it's been different because, like, I can think about that match with Jake Hager. Like, think about it. Like, there was, remember, there's nobody there at that point. Like, there was zero people around. And him having to have that match that they had, and you think back to all these others, like Brian Cage, um, you know, Lance Archer. I think the Brody Lee match is probably still maybe my favorite of the group that he's had thus far um because i know it's one that wasn't necessarily long or maybe wasn't even the result some people expected but i just think they had a really good match um but yeah like i look at this and i'm thinking eddie kingston this guy whose story is 100 percent real like he when he goes out and says hey i'm the guy who's come from nothing to get to this point and i have to have this championship because i just i can't have anything else like i have to have this championship um he's exactly right and you mentioned like the realism like that's part of the stuff and and cody brought that up too in the press conference and he said it a lot a lot of times before but it is that sports centric approach where it's like this guy is 100 percent real i know he's within the realm of professional wrestling but like he's real what he's saying is real and i can connect with that uh even if i don't necessarily like him i can still connect with what he's saying um and that just makes it more believable so Oh man, this is uh, this going to be wild. I just really think it's going to be wild. I mean, I'm going to ask your pick, Andy. I feel like we're probably both picking John Moxley here, but uh, I'm going to say this too: if Eddie Kingston won this title, I would not be upset because I think it would be very significant just to see a guy like this. I would not be able to be upset about the fact that someone like this wins the world title. Um, but I just think that Moxley's probably the winner here. Like we said, to probably lead to to Moxley versus Omega at some point. Yeah, I am on the same page as you, and and it says a lot. This match has a uh, has both of our emotional emotions invested in it, despite being a relatively predictable match. I don't think a lot of people are going into this match thinking that Kingston's going to walk away victorious. That being said, if he does walk away victorious, think of uh think of the fanfare, think of the emotions online that uh that that's going to uh that that's going to agitate. Uh, but but yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I think it's going to be Moxley walking away with the victory and walking away with the title, but it won't be an easy victory. It is going to be a war. I'm sure there's going to be uh, some major bloodshed here. And with an and with an I quit match, uh, ju- just just to, I just anticipating the spots that they're going to be coming up with. Uh, it, it's sure to be brutal. Yeah, I agree uh, for sure. And man, like we said, what a card! Like this card is is stacked. I mean, I I am like pretty much every single match on this card. Like I'm I'm invested in. I mean, some more than others, as we've talked about. But 
it's hard not to love this and it's hard not to you know agree with the sentiment that this i personally think looking back at the other cards like this could be their best card from top to bottom that we've seen thus far um i know they've delivered on a lot of their pay-per-views and and if they deliver on this one given the card we could be talking about it as being the best one um so we'll, we'll see we'll see how it unfolds one other quick question for you andy before we wrap up our man pack he made his return on dynamite um do you think we see him here. Do you think that was sort of a tease to where everyone thinks he's still stuck in isolation and all of a sudden uh, he's back? And uh, if you do think he is, uh, what, what do you think the next move is for our friend Pack? Well, before he left, he was paired up with uh, with the Lucha Bros. And you look at where the Lucha Bros are at now. They're in this family with Eddie Kingston. Uh, that's that's an that's an option. And Pack has had a bit of a, a bit of difficulties with Moxley in the past. Uh, so, uh, I quit match, obviously no rules. If pack shows up in the middle of that, I quit match, then that would be, uh, that would be very, very exciting. Also say after the, I quit match yep. Moxley sitting there victorious, that could be pack packs, big return. Uh, just tear apart Moxley when he's already been ripped limb from limb, uh, make him look like a freaking hyena, make him <laughs> look like a, like a beast, uh, but not only pack there's, there's a bit of a intrigue when it comes to team Taz there as well. And whether or yeah. not they're going to show up on the card, they say that they're, that they'll be there where they show up. Nobody knows. Yeah. I wonder maybe they're, maybe they're the ones that gets involved, uh, in the Cody Darby Allen thing. If we don't get our friend uh, sting there. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. I just, man, so much unpredictability, so many good potential matches on paper. This should be uh, a hell of a show for sure. Uh, all right, Andy, we'll wrap it up uh, with that. And of course, uh, let everybody know about all the great stuff you're doing there with dissecting dynamite. Uh, we talked about the episode we did. If you want to, Hey, if you, if you haven't watched that yet, watch that. Then, uh, you know, maybe you're just kind of thinking, hey, you know, I'll listen to the podcast, get a nice, uh, get everything you need from us there uh, when it comes to leading up to this full gear car. But Andy, I'll let everybody know where to find all your stuff and yeah, all the great work that they continue to do there on Dissecting Dynamite. Yeah, Dissecting Dynamite, it's 411 Mania's uh, live AEW post-show breakdown. It's live every Wednesday on 411 Mania's YouTube channel directly following the end of Dynamite. We have, uh, we have some amazing guest hosts every week, including uh, our host of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast, Mr. <laughs> uh, Blake LaBelle. But, but, but then in addition to that, uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. That's Andy.P.Perez. And, uh, and yeah, uh, I love wrestling. I talk about wrestling, and I want to talk about wrestling with you guys. So make sure you reach out. Yes, and Andy has something very exciting in the works uh, that I was excited to be a part of. We're going to talk about that on a future episode of the podcast. So there's your teaser, uh, but I promise you, you're going to love it. So uh, we'll have Andy back on soon to discuss that. But Andy, uh, thanks again. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to watching AEW Full Gear on Saturday. All right. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again to Andy Perez for joining us here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. And uh, as he said, be sure to check out Dissecting Dynamite on 411's YouTube channel. All you got to do is just hit that subscribe button. You can subscribe and get notified every single time uh, Dissecting Dynamite goes live after AEW Dynamite each and every week. Uh, so be sure to do that and uh, be sure to check out uh, everything going on at 411mania.com. Lots of great stuff going on over there. Of course, we'll have live coverage of uh, AEW Full Gear on Saturday. Uh, you'll be able to read uh, reviews, uh, all the stuff you need uh, for that show. Uh, and as we continue to mention, uh, the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family. We'll put that in the show 
show notes once again. Uh, be sure to continue sharing that. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, any podcast app you use, search for 411 on wrestling, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Search for 411 on wrestling, and uh, you'll be able to subscribe to the podcast, get uh, all these episodes sent to you uh, when they go up. Uh, for everything else, again, 411mania.com. Check it out. Uh, and thanks again for listening to this episode of the podcast. And stay safe. We'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Podcast.